All right, go ahead and end right there, guys. You can stop right there and you can put it away. Uh, I won't collect it. You can tuck that away wherever you need to. Uh, for those who may be joining us on the recording, uh, I had everyone answer the question, what is the gospel? If someone were to come up to you and say, oh, you go to church? I'm curious, what, what is this gospel? Can, can you tell me what is the gospel? So if you're listening online, if you wouldn't, uh, just pause right now and answer that question, what is the gospel? Okay, but go ahead and put that away. Uh, uh, my hope, and maybe what you might find, I would encourage you to keep that. Keep that paper. And six weeks from now, I may give you the same paper and see if you answer it the same or if you would answer it differently. And I think for most, you may answer it differently, Lord willing. That maybe our, our understanding of what the gospel is, uh, hopefully, um, maybe would be more solidified in scripture uh, of what exactly the gospel is. In this series that we're starting tonight, one of six, what is the gospel? Uh, a lot of it is inspired by a book called What is the Gospel? Uh, believe it or not. It's by Greg Gilbert. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful book. I'd recommend it to any of you guys. Uh, if you would like help purchasing it, just let me know. I would gladly purchase it for you. I don't want you to be like, I don't have $10. I understand. You may not. And so I'd gladly buy it for you. It's on Amazon. I could get here probably by tomorrow. Uh, actually, I have some copies upstairs. So if you really, really wanted one and couldn't afford it, please let me know. I encourage you to go through it, maybe even with your parents at home. It's a wonderful book. So we're going to kind of be following his outline, how he goes through it um, tonight, influenced heavily by chapters one and two. OK, we're going to be all over scripture. Uh, so please have your Bibles ready. Get your notes ready. Uh, and in our intro, we're calling it. What is it? What is it? What is the gospel? Right. Uh, allow me to pray for us, guys, uh, as we begin. Uh, Lord God, as we approach your word tonight and we seek to answer the question, what is the gospel? God, I pray that you would speak truth to our hearts. Give us understanding. Give us clarity. Uh, any kind of distortion of the gospel that we may have coming into tonight, Lord, I pray that you would clear that. And that we would have a biblical understanding of what your gospel truly is. Lord, I pray that we would see the urgency, the need. Uh, and the beauty of your gospel. By your spirit, God, convict our hearts that we worship you in this time. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Some of you guys may know that I am a drummer. How many of you guys know that I, I play the drums? Okay, many of you guys. Uh, if not, if you don't know, I do. Okay. Uh, and I've been playing drums for, for quite a while now. And... I really kind of, I would say I started like learning how to play when I was around eight. And when I was eight, around that age or so, uh, my cousin, my older cousin, who I was very close with, uh, still am, uh, he was playing drums and anything he got into, I got into. I wanted to do what he did. And he was playing drums. And so he actually taught me how to play drums. And I already knew how to play piano, so it kind of, I had a good foundation of music already. Uh, and so it, it came somewhat easily and naturally. Uh, he taught me how to play beats. Uh, he taught me how to use fills. He taught me how to play with music. He would play guitar while I play with him. We play piano. I play with him. We played worship songs together. Like at the, at that age, he taught me a lot, and I started playing with other musicians and such. And it was maybe a few years after that, my parents wanted me to take drum lessons and said you should really learn like how to actually do this. And I was pretty hesitant. 
Uh, mostly because I was prideful. And I was like, I already know how to play the drums. Like, what's a drum teacher really going to teach me? Okay, at like 10 years old. And, uh, but whatever. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take the drum lessons. And so I go into my drum lesson. It was, it was a one-on-one um, sessions. And he said, you know, oh, yeah, just, just show me what you know. And I'm like, all right, now I get to show up to the teacher. He's going to be impressed, right? And so I'm like playing, you know, I'm playing all my fills and stuff, and then, you know, a little solo, and then I finish. I'm like, all right, you right? Like, like he's, yeah, he, he, he's going to be super impressed. And he goes, oh, okay, okay. Uh, so we need to start from, from square one. You need to learn how to hold the drumsticks right. And uh, little did I know, even though I thought I had known all this about drums, I didn't even know the most basic and yet what is probably the most important thing, and that is how to hold the drumsticks correctly. I was holding them incorrectly for years. I didn't know. I didn't even know that I didn't know. Uh, and then he showed me, yeah, if you're holding correctly, then you can't do this. And I was like, oh, shoot, you're right. right? And so he taught me. How to properly hold it. This whole time I thought, oh, I'm good. I, you know, I know every, I know a lot about drums, and I didn't even know square one, how to hold the drumsticks properly. Now we're starting a six-week series on what is the gospel, and for some, you may feel like you have a complete understanding of the gospel. I already know it. And for others, maybe you don't feel that way. And maybe you feel like, yeah, I don't know, when you took that test, maybe you thought, yeah, maybe I don't really have a complete picture of what the gospel is. Regardless of how you feel, even regardless of the reality of how well you may or may not know it, knowing the gospel is the most important truth in the universe. And is the most essential part of the Christian life, to know and to understand what the gospel is. And to get this wrong is, is the most detrimental mistake anyone can make. Because in it carries eternal consequences, whether good or bad, good or bad consequences. And while many probably would say, yeah, I know what the gospel is. I bet many of those same people that would say, yeah, I know what the gospel is, uh, would maybe not agree with each other on what the definition is. Maybe you'd say, I know what the gospel is, and you'd say, I know what the gospel is, and you'd say, I know what the gospel is. And we look at those tests you just took, those sheets, and maybe all three wouldn't even match. And yet these three people would say, I know it, I know it, I know it. But you guys would explain it, and you would define it differently. Some would say the gospel is the love of God. Some would say the gospel is God's word. Some would say the gospel is good news. Someone said the gospel is an example of how to live and how to love others. Maybe some of your guys, when you took that test, these were some of your answers. Some might even go as far as to say, you can define it however you want. Whatever gospel is yours, whatever you want the gospel to be, that's, that's what the gospel is to you. And I'll tell you that right there, there's nothing further from the truth right there. There's one gospel... And one gospel truth. Not multiple. Just one. Do you know it? Do you know the true gospel? Just because you've grown up in the church, like probably many of you have. Maybe not everyone. But most of you have grown up in the church. That does not mean that you know what the true gospel is. 
There are many people who, who've grown up their entire lives in the church and do not have a complete or a true understanding of what the gospel is. And there's nothing more important for you to know than the gospel. If there is one message that, that you cannot ignore, it is God Almighty saying, here is how you can be saved from my judgment and have a relationship with me. And that demands our attention. And while it's true that there's only one gospel, it's equally true that there are, there are many different aspects that make up the gospel. And, and there are many different ways in which you could systematically study it. But that being said, for, for the gospel presentation to be true, they all must point to the same truth. And they must not add and they must not take away from the one true gospel. And so I think Greg Gilbert, as I mentioned in his book, What is the Gospel?, really breaks it down, I think, in one of the, the best and most clear and concise way. And he breaks it down in four ways. God, man, Christ, and response. And the next four weeks, not tonight, but the next four weeks, we're going to look at each of those in detail. God, man, Christ, response. And I think with that, we can have a pretty complete picture and understanding of the gospel. But before we do that tonight, I want us to just to take a step back. Before we look at everything in the detail of the gospel, I want us to take a step back and look at the gospel picture as a whole. And so tonight we're going to be answering three questions. Where does the gospel come from? What is the heart of the gospel? And why does the gospel matter? Okay? Three questions. Where does the gospel come from? What is the heart of the gospel? And why does the gospel matter? All right, here we go. Let's jump in with our first main point. Where does the gospel come from? Where does the gospel come from? First, we see that the source which answers the question, what is the gospel, must be a perfect source. The source which answers the question, what is the gospel, must be a perfect source. Many moons ago, I don't know how many moons, I don't count moons, I believe there's only one for the earth, but many moons ago, I used to work in the video game industry. It wasn't exciting, as you may think, but I did. And part of that job, I would travel a lot, travel a lot around the country, I travel a lot around the world. And one time, I was traveling to France, Paris specific, specifically, my first time going to France. And I was traveling alone, at least at the time, I was going to meet some people there uh, in, in a couple of days. I was going to be there by myself the, the first couple of days um, for some meetings and then some of the team would come later. So I fly in by myself. I don't speak French. Oui, oui, is all I know. I think that means you have to go to the bathroom. I don't know. So I show up at the airport, and I'm told I just have to get – I need to buy a, a train ticket at the airport, and that train will take me to the city, Paris, or somewhere. I think it was Paris. I saw the Eiffel Tower, so it's got to be near Paris, right? Okay, thank you. Um, take me there, in which I can walk out, go to my hotel, bada bing, bada boom, I'll be all right. I just need to get off the plane, walk somewhere in the airport to get on the train, and I'll be good. No problem. I show up to the airport. I'm looking for, like, signs. But again, I don't speak French. 
I'm looking, okay, there's got to be some picture of a train. Somewhere. Okay, I find a place where I can buy my ticket for the train. So here I go. I buy the ticket for the train. I say, this is where I need to go. I pay the money. He gives me the ticket. I ask the man that gave me the ticket, where do I go to get on this train? Here's my ticket that you just sold me. Where's the train stop? Like, where is it? And he says, is that way, monsieur? <laughs> that way? Oui, oui. <laughs> yes, it's over there. I said, over there. Yes. Okay. So I grab my ticket and I'm walking way over there. And I'm like, I don't see where a train could possibly be over here. But he said it's over here. So I kept walking and walking and walking. No train. Finally, after I was done walking, I don't know, 15 miles. Not actually. But a long time. I go to this little help desk. And I say, here's my ticket. Where's the train? Am I close to the train? And she says, no. No, no, if you want to get on the train, you got to go that way. I said, that way? The guy told me to go this way. No, no, you got to go that way. Okay. So I go that way. And I'm walking and walking and walking. And I keep walking. No train. So I ask someone else, here's my ticket. Where, where do I get to go on the train? Oh, you got to go that way. I started here. First I go this way, then I go this way, now I'm going this way, west, south, east, all different directions. I keep walking, walking, no train. I'm about to miss my train now. And this, is, this has been well over an hour. I don't know how long. And I say, okay, i got to get my bearings right, just straight. So I go back to where I bought my ticket. I'm looking around. And literally... Right next door to where I bought the ticket was the train stop. Right there. I didn't have to go anywhere. It was there. But the guy told me. I don't know why he told me this. He sold me the ticket. And he says, oh, yeah, to get on this train, you got to go way over here. I don't know why he said that. And then the lady said, way over there. And then that person said, way over there. No one told me the proper place on where to go to the train. Okay, why did I tell you this whole story? Because the information that is given is only as good as its source. These three sources were bad sources. Why they led me astray, I don't know. But they were bad sources, and so they gave me bad information. Your information is only as good as its source. If you ask me how to say bear, like, ah, in Spanish, I don't know. I'd probably tell you it's a barrelito or something. <laughs> Is that right? Also. Or so what? Also, that's bear. Oh, also. Oh, it's not barrelito? It should be. I'm not the right source. Apparently, Josiah's the right source. I think. I don't know. He could be lying right now. I have no idea. Do, do I have anyone to back him up? Either everyone's in on it or Oso's actually I say bear. I still think it's Berolito. Anyways, I'm not the right source. And so if I told you, oh, if you want to say bear, say Berolito, then you'd go around believing falsely. Now that's silly. But imagine receiving your answer to something as important as eternal life from a bad source. It's one thing to to not understand Spanish 
correctly, or how to say bear in Spanish. But it's another thing to not understand the gospel correctly. Well, what is your source when you try to answer the question, what is the gospel? Remember, your information is only as good as your source. What's your source? Your friends? Social media? Yourself? Do you come up with the answer to what is the gospel? We cannot get this wrong. The gospel is the good news that outlines how to be saved from eternal punishment and be brought into eternal life. This is the one thing you don't want to get wrong. To get this wrong has eternal consequences. Do you have a good source? Do you have a reliable source? Make sure your source is perfect. Which brings us to the next point. That God is the one true authority. His word is perfect. God is the one true authority. His word is perfect. What makes God the one true authority? Well, he is the creator of all. By being the creator, he has the right to establish how things go. And not only that, but the gospel is his gospel. And the gospel which deals with salvation is his salvation. He is the author of salvation. So if we want to know the gospel... We must ask God. We must ask God the question, what is the gospel? He is the creator. He is the author. He is the one that says this is it. This is the gospel. He's the one and only authority. Do you trust his word? Do you trust God's word is perfect? 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God. It is inspired by God. He's the one who, who divinely inspires it. It's from his mouth. This word, the word of God, is from the mouth of God. And we can trust everything in his word is true and it is perfect that it is from his mouth. And this is where we find the gospel. This is our reliable source. His word is full of his gospel. And not only that, but we can trust that his word is true, for it says in Titus 1-2, that God cannot lie. In God, we have a true and reliable source. And so we must start with the understanding and the agreement that God's word is the authority. You understand that? That is actually crucial, which is why we start here. We have to understand and agree that God's word is the authority. If we cannot agree on who or what our authority is, then we won't be able to agree on anything else for the next five weeks after this. This is crucial. Do you submit to this? Do you submit to the word of God? If you do not believe the word of God, if you do not submit to the word of God as true and his word and the authority, then everything else we talk about, we cannot agree on. Because I am going to take you here. But if we can agree that the word of God is the authority, then we will be able to examine and search together and discover what the true gospel is. Do you agree on his word? That it is 100% true? If so, then let's examine together. And let's see how God answers the question, what is the gospel? And let's submit to his word. Not my word. Not your word. But let's submit to his word. Next, still in this section, there is only one true gospel. Anything that contradicts what the Bible says is wrong. There's only one true gospel. Anything that contradicts what the Bible says is 
wrong. Galatians 1, 6-7, Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. You see, they were having the same issue, that they were those who were distorting the gospel. There were those who were preaching a false gospel, one that is contrary to the one true gospel. And the same is true today. There will always be false gospels around us. So we must be on guard. And one of the biggest false gospels is you can earn your way to him. One of the biggest false gospels that you will hear and that is deceptive and that sneakily comes in to the church and to the world. You earn your way to God. You somehow in your knowledge, you somehow in your works, you somehow in living a Christian life, looking like a good Christian, can make yourself right before God. You can somehow cause God to love you more. You can somehow live a life and God says, ooh, yeah, I would like to save this person. That is a false gospel. We must be on guard. Years ago, I was at a funeral. And at the funeral, it was for someone who was not in the faith. They weren't a Christian. When the pastor comes up, And at some point, the pastor says this. I think everyone will be in heaven. Or or at least have one last chance. The pastor said this at the funeral. The pastor said that at some point, like everyone will be in heaven. Or at least at the very end, they'll be able to see God. God say, hey, you want to come to heaven? And that person will get one last chance to say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take heaven instead of hell. Yeah, thank you. I'll go to heaven. This is what a pastor was teaching, and it is utterly false. Be careful of false gospels. If it does not match up with what the Bible says, it is wrong. Now remember, I'm not saying that there's only one way to share or explain the gospel. I'm not saying that. It's not like you need to memorize a certain order of words just for it to be right. No, but I'm saying that there's one gospel. And anything that contradicts the truths of this gospel is false. So what is this gospel? What is this gospel? What is the heart of the gospel? We're going to look at it in detail in the next four weeks. But in summary, let's look at this. Our next main point is what is the heart of the gospel? First, everyone is accountable to God. Everyone is accountable to God. We are made by him. By God. We are owned by him. We are dependent on him. And therefore, we are accountable to him. And no one is excluded from this. This includes everyone. You and me. You are accountable to God. Period. Whether you believe in him or not. It doesn't matter. You are accountable to him. you, You answer to him. He is the creator. We are the creation. Period. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. God is here. He is way up here. Creator, holy. And we are down here. We do not compete 
with God. We do not question God. We do not debate with God. We may attempt to do these things, but we have no authority and we have no foundation to do so. He is holy. He is far above us. 1 Samuel 2.2 says, There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. See, he transcends all other beings. For all other beings are created. God is not created. He is the creator. And being as holy and perfect as he is, he cannot be with sin. He despises it. Why? Because sin goes completely against his very nature. His holy, perfect nature. He cannot be with sin. Which presents a problem for us. Our next point. Everyone has rebelled against God. So we have to connect these points. God is holy. He is perfect in his nature. He cannot be with sin. And yet look at us. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has rebelled against God. See, that's the problem. The problem is that we have all sinned. That none of us have lived a perfect life. You are infected with sin. You are dripping with sin through and through. Do you remember Romans? No, what's that book? Sorry, I gotta go back. Romans 3. Starting in verse 10. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. He goes on, verse 23. For all have sinned. And what? Fall short of the glory of God. And yet we attempt. Because we need and because there's nothing better. We attempt to have communion with God. But how can we? When God is holy. When God is perfect. And we are sinful to the core. Do you understand this problem? Do you understand this dilemma? God is up here holy and perfect. Cannot be with sin. We want to be with God. But we are sinful. In fact, we've sinned against him. We want communion with him. But how can we? There's a wall of hostility between us. And so people attempt to make themselves right. People make the mistake of thinking, as long as I do more good... That I'm on the right side of things. Like I'm balancing the scales. Like, you know what? I know, I know I've sinned. So if I've sinned this much, as long as I do more good than bad, then hey, I'm looking good to God. Because I look, I'm living a better life than I am a sinful life. No, nothing could be more wrong. There is never enough good that you can do to make yourself right before God. You cannot. It's not this this. Star Wars balance of the good and evil forces. Like, ooh, yeah, we need to make sure we have more good than evil. No. We cannot work enough. We cannot know enough. We cannot do enough to be accepted by God. It is not within ourselves to make ourselves right before God. You are consumed by your sin. You have rebelled against him. You have hated him. The Bible says that we are his enemy. And not only his enemy, but Ephesians 2 says, you are on Satan's side. You're on his side. 
in your sinful state, you are on the complete opposite side of having an intimate relationship with God. You're not even neutral with God. It's not even like, no, I'm kind of on the fence. I don't hate God. I'm not for him. I'm just kind of neutral. I don't care. No, there is no neutrality with God. God is opposed to you. You are his enemy. Is what the Bible describes you if you are without Christ. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Because that sounds harsh. But remember who our authority is. It's not me. And it's not you. It's the word of God. And this is how the Bible describes us. Alienated from God. Enemies of God. What else does the Bible say? That there will be a day in which you stand in judgment before God. And as you stand before God in judgment, you will be silenced. For you have no defense. You have no excuse. All you will have to present to him are your sins. If you stand alone, apart from the work of Christ, you will stand guilty before God. And the consequence that you have rightfully earned is eternal punishment in hell. That is what the Bible says. There is no question about it. It is just, it is right, and is what you deserve. But the story doesn't end there, and the gospel doesn't end there. But we see that the one and only solution is Christ, which is our next point. The one and only solution is Christ. There is good news. God does provide hope for us, and that hope is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is our one and only Savior, and indeed, He is sufficient to save. Jesus lived a perfect life, completely sinless. Jesus lived the life that we needed to live, the life we never did live, the life we failed to live, that you have failed to live, that I have failed to live. Christ lived that. And yet even though Jesus lived a perfect life, he died the death that we need to die, that we deserve to die. He shouldn't have died. Jesus should not have died. Why did he die? He was innocent. Completely innocent. Completely sinless. Why did he die? He died so that we can live. He died in our place. Because of Christ's work, because of his perfect life, his righteousness, we can be counted as righteous before God. Like, isn't that incredible? We had just talked about how, how we have sinned against God, how we have no right to, to commune with God. But because of the finished work of Christ, we now can receive His righteousness. And He receives our punishment. This is what took place on the cross. Do you understand that? This is what took place on the cross. It wasn't just that Jesus was whipped, His back was just shredded to His bare bones. It wasn't just that he was beaten and that he was bruised and that he was pierced, that he was a bloody mess. It was more than that. 
Christ received the wrath that every Christian deserves. Christ bore it on the cross. Everything that I deserve in hell, He received. An eternity of God's wrath that I should bear. Christ bore it for me. And He bore it for you if you are in Christ. And in exchange, while He receives the wrath we deserve, while He receives the punishment that we deserve, in exchange we receive His perfect, sinless life credited to our account. So that when we stand in the courtroom of God, Christ's righteousness is covering us. That Christ comes to our defense and he says, I died for this one. This is the hope of the gospel. This is the free gift of salvation. That through Christ we can be made right before God. We can be saved. There is hope. There is assurance. There is confidence. There is eternal life in Jesus Christ. And because of this, you can receive this gift of salvation. Our next point. You can receive the gift of salvation. God offers this gift of salvation to all people. To young and old and black and white and rich and poor and churchgoers and Jesus haters. God is not looking for a specific type of of person to save. God save all types of people. Do not for a second think I'm not Christian material. God could never love me. I'm not Christian material. No one is Christian material. And yet Christ makes us Christian material. Do you see what I'm saying? If you think God would never offer you this gift of salvation, you are wrong. It is available to you. And it is a gift. It is not something you earn. You don't earn a gift. That is not a gift. You can never earn this in your entire lifetime. It is something that is given to you and that you can receive. It comes from him and is given by him freely and is received by you. There's nothing you can do to earn this or deserve this. It is a free gift given by God. And you can receive this gift through faith and repentance. Have faith in the work of Christ and the love of God. Have faith in God, saying, God, I believe that you will save me because of what you have done. And I rest the hope of my eternal life on you, not in anything else. But I believe in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And have repentance of your sin to turn away from it and to pursue God instead and say, surrender your life to him. Repent of your sin. Turn from it. Say, God, forgive me of my sin. And submit to Him as your Master, as your Lord. And worship Him. There will be some who do not accept this gift. There will be some who do not turn to the Lord. And these people will continue in their sinful ways. And they will receive the eternal wrath of God in hell. 
forever. Will you accept this gift? Will you accept the gift of salvation? Or will you continue to turn your back to God? Well, we've answered, where does the gospel come from? We've answered, what is the heart of the gospel? Our last question, why does the gospel matter? Why does the gospel matter? Two quick points here. First, it affects your eternal life. That's a big deal. In my humble opinion, I am H-O. That's what the cool kids say, right? First, it affects your eternal life. Guys, there is nothing bigger than this. Okay, I want you to try to wrap your junior high size brains around it. I couldn't even say the sentence. That's how big my brain is. There is nothing that affects your eternal life like the gospel. You understand? We're going to talk about this in in a few weeks of how big this is, of how big eternal life is. You want to know how big eternal life is? Come back. We're going to talk about how big it is. You can learn many things. You guys, all you homeschool kids, I I know you, you learn all these things. And you learn how to speak Latin and French, I'm sure, and all these other things. And you can do all, you know, learn this and learn this. And you can get your doctorate. And you can get all this stuff. Learn all these things. You can accomplish many things. You can be, the, the, you can get a, a 5.0 in school. You can be the, the greatest athlete, the greatest musician. You, you, you can be the first astronaut to go to Pluto. You can do whatever, all these accomplishments. You can experience all these things. Go to these vacations. Have this kind of fun. Whatever it is you want to experience. But let me tell you this, that none of it will have a lasting effect on your eternity. None of it. And what you learn what you accomplish, what you experience, will be gone at the grave. The gospel lasts through all of eternity. The gospel affects whether you have eternal life or eternal death. The gospel affects whether you will spend eternity with God in His presence Free of sin, free of pain, beholding his glory, worshiping him forever with all joy and praise. Yes. And the gospel affects whether you will spend all of eternity absent of his presence, in utter darkness and pain, receiving the wrath of God for all of eternity. Do you understand how big of a deal this is? Because we're not just talking about like, oh yeah, check out these Pokemon cards I collected. This is much bigger than that. This is something that you cannot ignore. It is something that has that affects every single one of us in this room. It is something that has eternal consequences. Not just what's going to happen tonight or what's going to happen tomorrow, but forever. How will you respond to the gospel? It affects your eternal life. But lastly, it affects your life on earth. Right here, right now. It affects your life on earth. 
and affects your life on earth. In rejecting the gospel, you are choosing to reject salvation, to reject eternal life, and also to reject a life right now of joyful, fulfilling purpose. In your rejection of Christ, you will continue down a path that leads to destruction. Not just for eternity, but here on earth. Because a life that is lived not in accordance to Christ is a life that is living not in accordance to your created design. We are created to worship. And to worship here on earth right now. And to reject Christ is to go against your created design and purpose. It is to waste your life. And to live a life of folly. But in accepting the gospel and accepting the gift of salvation, all by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit transforms your life and you begin living in accordance to your designed, intended purpose. You begin living a life of worship to God. A life that is a living sacrifice to God. You begin living for His glory here on earth. There is nothing that is life-changing like the gospel. This gospel, if truly has impacted your heart, will change the way you think, will change the way you speak, will change the way you act. It will change your desires. It will change your goals. It will change your ambitions. Because now you live for the glory of God. Now you worship Him with your life. Has the gospel made this kind of an impact on your life? Has the gospel made this kind of an impact on your life? Or is your life the same? Unchanged. The gospel has an effect not only on your eternity, but on your life here, right now. As we close, I want to remind you of the importance of the gospel. This is the most important thing in the world for you. This is why I want to spend time to go through this series. Because if there is one thing, one thing that I want you to understand, it is the gospel. So I ask you, please, be attentive in this time. Please be attentive. I cannot stress how important this is. But I'm getting the sense that some of you have no idea how important this is. Because to you it's more important to get this over with so you can go play with your friends. Because for some it's more important that you can quietly talk to your friend right now and mess around instead of hearing the truth of God that says, my wrath is upon you, but here's how you can be saved. I gave my son for you. Will you accept this free gift of salvation? But some do not care. 
I'm telling you there is nothing that you should care more about than having a saving relationship with God. Nothing. If you are a Christian, please don't think that this series doesn't apply to you. Don't think that you don't need to hear this series. Don't, don't think, yeah, this is going to be good for everyone else. I'm already a Christian. No, this is good for you. You need this too, Christian. You need the gospel every day. The gospel affects every decision you make, every pursuit you have, every relationship you're in, every aspect of your life. You need the gospel. If you are a Christian, it's literally it's the heart and soul of who you are. So Christian, don't ever grow tired of hearing the gospel. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened to you. There's nothing greater than the saving work of Jesus Christ on your behalf. And if you are not a Christian, know that you can be. Know that you can be. Don't don't wait until, until you... You know everything and figured it all out. Don't wait until you you make yourself better. Ah, I know I'm still disobedient to my parents. I need to clean myself up first. Don't wait. What are you waiting for? Do you know that you need to turn to Christ? Do you know that you need to be saved? If so, then why wait? I believe there are a number of people here in this room that are not saved. There's a number of people in this room who do not have a loving relationship with God. Is that you? Is that you? If so, repent of your sins. Repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness and have faith in Jesus Christ and what He has accomplished. Ask that He would save you. And if for any of you, if you feel that this is confusing, if for any of you, you feel that this, you need to talk about this further, you need clarity, you need explanation, you need prayer, please come to us as staff. Go to Poppy. Go to Kay. Go to Jeff. Go to any of the other high school staff. Come to me. I promise you, All of us, we want nothing more than to talk to you about the gospel. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Don't be shy. We know, and I can speak, we have all the staff, I know that. They want nothing more than for you to know Christ. I want to close this time in silent prayer. I want you guys not not to distract one another, not to be talking, not to be drawing. To be praying in silence. We don't have enough silence in our world today, I don't think. Sometimes it's good to be silent. Take a couple minutes. If it feels awkward, I'm sorry. Two minutes of silence. Prayer. If you're a Christian, thank him for the gospel. Go back to the cross and remember the undeserved love that you've received from God. Christian, give him thanks. You can never give him thanks enough. And if you're not a Christian, pray to God. Maybe this is the time that you repent, that you turn to him in faith.
Let there be a couple minutes of silent prayer, and then I'll close this in prayer.